What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me here tonight on Church of the Corn. It's just me, just Zach here tonight. Uh, Drake had a an emergency come up, so hope all is well with you, my friend. Um, so just stuck with me. That's okay. Got a lot to go over. There's been a ton that's been going on with with Nebraska as of late. Um, more on the recruiting front than anything. It's it pretty pretty insane what old Matt Rule and company have been able to do. I think it was as of yesterday, anywhere between 15th and 18th in the country, just depending on what service you went to. You know, on three has Nebraska at 18th in the country. Uh, Rivals is 15th. 24-7 was 14th. Um, and I think someone said one of them was uh, a composite score of like ninth or some shit. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're re- recruiting at a ridiculously high level right now. It's it's pretty crazy. I don't think we've seen recruiting. I mean, ranking-wise, there were a couple years, um, I was going to say since Callahan, have I seen them recruit like this? That's that's not true. There was a couple of years where I think they were our highest 15th in the country with um, – I think it was under it was under Polini, I'm pretty sure. And then, uh, you know, you had some pretty highly rated classes under Riley. You just didn't see a whole lot out of them. I'll go into Calabrasca a little bit later on in the show as well. Um, but, you know, it, pretty, pretty crazy what they've been able to do, honestly. Um, Especially in the state of Florida, you know, Ja'Cory Barney, the, the athlete receiver, we'll talk about him in just a second. But it seems like there's going to be a commitment here soon with Amari Sanders. Uh, you know, Wolf Fong on 24-7 dropped a prediction for him this morning to Nebraska. And his recruitment's been pretty quiet for the most part. I, I don't recall seeing a ton about him taking a lot of visits or anything like that. I do know Nebraska did offer him on the 2nd of June. Uh, that was his official visit, sorry. Offer came the month before May 11th. Um, was offered, uh, Florida offered, excuse me, Virginia offered. He's got some big-time offers, and if Nebraska is able to steal him, I mean, he would be another long, lanky kid to steal from Florida, and this staff is is starting to make a habit of stealing long, lanky kids out of Florida. But let's let's talk about Jacory Barney for a minute. You know, he's a three or four star athlete, wide receiver. Depends where you want to play him. Kid can play in the secondary or or as a wide receiver. Thinking he's coming to Nebraska as a wide receiver, I don't think that's too big of a stretch. But you know, he committed to Nebraska over Miami. Even though it was a heavy crystal ball for him to go to Miami, you know, you haven't seen a, a ton from him, um, you know, the last couple weeks or, or really anything that would give you any hint of where he was lying. You know, honestly, he, he told everyone that he didn't tell even his parents where he was going. Um, you know, he said Nebraska was, was heavily on him the entire time, throughout the entire process. He could tell they wanted him. And look what happened, you know, Rule and company, and, and McGuire especially, hell, hell of a uh, job getting Barney out of the 305, the Miami, um, and, and, you know, stealing him from Miami. 
it's it's pretty crazy that what they've done, honestly, and it's a testament to 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 the staff and what they've done in Lincoln. Um, it, it, it's it's pretty it's it's insane. Um, Frost was able to recruit. It, you just didn't see the second half of it. Okay, so we got guys in it, but we just never saw any development on that side of the field, unfortunately. Rules. That's that's what he's made his uh, his chops with is is being a teacher of the game, a developer. So if this is how they're able to recruit, granted, right now, it, it like once again we said it's a top eighteen class in the country. I honestly feel like they could still, once the signing days happen, are they going to be top ten in the country? I man, I don't see top ten. But there's there's four you know, big recruits out there that I think Nebraska will end up signing that I do think keep them in probably in that 14 to 16 range once signing day gets here. I feel like that's where they, I feel like that's where they're going to be. Um, yes, yes, there's still going to be a ton of kids signing a lot of places. I get that. But Nebraska's not going to be a one, two, or three anytime soon. And they don't need to be. Um, you can sit in that, you know, 15 to 20 range that even should even the 25 range uh, for your class rankings. And as long as you're getting the development of those classes, that's, that's what you're going to get. Now, when you're trying to be one of the elite programs in the country, your Georgia's, your Alabama's. Yeah. You better be signing top 10 classes every year to have that level of talent to compete. Nebraska's not there right now. Um, They've got to do the little things well, which is really developing what they've got on their roster. The rosters, the roster talent hasn't been the problem, honestly. Um, the talent has been in Lincoln. I've said that before. The talent's down there. It's definitely down there. The putting guys in the correct places to be successful, though, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's been the case. I don't believe we've had that for quite some time down there. You know, I don't believe there's been the organization that's been needed to be a successful organization down there. But you've got Matt Rule, who is a CEO for all intents and purposes, which is phenomenal. It's what Nebraska's needed. Um, he's He's got the pedigree of rebuilding programs, what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, and Baylor was a way, way worse situation uh, for him walking into when he's coming into it, Nebraska expectations are going to be higher at Nebraska, but it is what it is. Um, that, that those were all at the Power Five level. He he's touched so far, and what he's done with his position coaches, who are a lot of the primary recruiters, it, it seems like Nebraska is going the same way that college football is, which is you're going younger, fresher coaches. Some of these guys in there you know, late twenties, early thirties, you've got young guys out there on the trail and, and, and it seems like they're damn hungry. They're trying to cut their teeth in college football. And, you know, I'm going to go into two specifically because they've made a lot of splashes lately and, you know, Evan Cooper and Garrett McGuire. Now 
just going in the 24 class, we all know what McGuire did in the 23 class, you know, with the, the transitionary period, different things like that, uh, kind of co-recruiting. But, uh, you know, Cooper in the 24 class so far has been the primary recruiter for uh, Roger Gradney, uh, Mario Buford, Willis McGay IV, Evan Taylor, Raylan Prude, and Kellen uh, Barda so far. I believe he is the primary for Amari Sanders as well. So if he's able to get him um, on board, that would, you know, it's obviously add that one. Evan Cooper has been a tremendous recruiter for Nebraska. It's they've had some damn good secondary coaches. At least we thought they did. Uh, but to recruit like Cooper has, impressive. Uh, a lot of long, lanky kids back there. Um, you've got some raw kids uh, out there as well, and you know. That's that's what this staff has been brought in to be is uh, teachers, teachers of the game. You've got these raw athletes. You you now have to teach them how to play the game. So that's what Cooper's done. Um, going to Garrett McGuire, who I think caught the most shit for when he got hired because he does look like a seventh grader. Um, but but the guy can can coat or can recruit his ass off. Uh, you know, Davon Hall from Bellevue West, St. Isaiah Morris, McMorris, excuse me, uh, Bellevue West, uh, Quinn Clark, and that's in the 24 class. So, you know, you got two hometown kids to stay in, in Nebraska. And McMorris, I think, is criminally underrated. That kid to me is a is a solid four-star Um incredibly gifted with, with, with his ability to just break open plays, uh, you know, very shifty receiver, not the biggest guy in the room, but it's tremendously impressive. Davon Hall, a little bit more of your traditional out wide, wide receiver. McMorris, you can play a little bit anywhere you want to in, in the backfield, um, out, out wide in the slot, tremendously talented, um, and, and, you know, obviously they've got uh, Danny Kalen throwing him the ball. So um, talented guys there. And and Quinn Clark is one of the biggest unknowns for me. And, and I feel like he is for a lot of people because he really popped on out of out of the blue uh, for, for Husker fans. You've got a six foot five. I believe he's six foot five, six foot five wide receiver out of Montana. Uh, you know, when he committed, I, I was, I, I was, you don't hear a lot of, about Montana football. So that's, that's my only um, bit of trepidation there. He's tremendously gifted physically, I should say. Um, he's got the tools that you want. I'm wondering if uh, he's not going to blow up a little bit more into a tight end with his size, size and um, skill set. So going to be interesting to see what they can get out of him. But uh, again, another long, lanky, athletic kid that they're going to teach the game to. So does it help having these young coaches um, on the recruiting trail? I think it does to some degree. Uh, I think the main thing that's been missing the last few years it's going to be pretty obvious, but it's it's development. I think we can all agree that talent hasn't been the problem. 
what's been the problem is is developing the raw talent that we've that they've got on the roster. Um, I think that's that's one of the biggest things is nobody that stepped on campus the last few years has gotten better. They were their peak was literally as a high school senior. They did not get better at Nebraska, and that's been an unfortunate thing. You know, you've you've got your outliers, um, so it's not a one hundred percent thing. But for the most part, your guys didn't get much better the last few years than when they stepped on campus. Um, and I think one of the bigger problems is Nebraska has had guys who couldn't teach, but they could implement. So if there's a set plan in place, it's easy to implement um, or, and maintain. It's hard to have to teach or, or create. And, you know, we, we heard from uh, Bellevue West head coach Mike Huffman. So it's great that there's finally some adults in the room. Uh, the, you know, there's a, a group of men in Lincoln, and I think one of the key things uh, that Nebraska really needed this offseason was to bring in teachers. And, and I think they finally got that Lincoln. Um, I think they've got teachers of all ages down there and different experience groups. Uh, you know, you've got Matt Rule, who's multiple-time head coach. Ed Foley, who's also a head coach. Garrett McGuire, who's been in a uh, – was – you know, this will be his third year in coaching or fourth year in coaching. Yeah, like you've got guys of all different experience levels, but are able to relate to their players. That seems to be one of the common things um, that 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 they have in Lincoln. Um, going back to the thing about teaching, and it's one of the hardest things to find. Um, are, are people that are willing to grind it out with you? And, you know, take it on the chin because you're, as a teacher, things don't always go great, but you've got to find someone that's able to stick with you. Like it seems like this staff has been able to do, um, you know, previously at different stops, you've got to find those guys that got grit. It seems like Matt Rule attracts that kind of coach as well. Um, Once again, bringing in the younger coaches, that's one of them. You see college football, it's gone young. It's no longer an old man sport. It, it's gone young uh, in a lot of coaching staffs. Um, but it makes sense why it's gone young. You know, you've got your your head coach who's a little bit more senior usually. Um, he's your CEO type figure. And the main thing you need from your head coach is you need them to be a good manager of people and someone that can manage personalities. I don't need my head coach to be a play caller. Um, obviously, they're going to cut their chops at some point in play calling. But I feel like when you get to the major power five level, there's a special few coaches that can do it. And it's not a, it's not everybody. Uh, I think that's one of the things that really got Scott uh, Frost into trouble was you're spread too thin when you're play calling as well, as well as trying to be a CEO, I should say. Um, it, it, it stretches you too thin, unfortunately, and something ends up suffering. Uh, it's an organization. Uh, if you're not an organized person, I'm not a tremendously organized person. So I can understand how things, when you've got that many moving parts, fall apart very quickly. Um, 
But getting back to it, uh, you know, once again, manager, people, personalities, uh, your coordinators. So your coordinators are essentially, they need to have whatever, um, obviously they're your schematic people, but they're also your culture guys. Like your court, everything runs through your coordinators. So, you know, they'll coach your position coaches, your position coaches, coach your players. So top down, you've all got the same uh, kind of going in the same direction. You know, let your let your coordinators be the smartest guys in the room. You know, let them teach the position coaches. Let me know exactly what, what we what we want out of these guys. And you've got some pretty young, malleable guys in there right now that don't have a whole lot of preconceived notions on what's going to work and what doesn't work. Um. You, you're you know you're gonna see you're gonna hopefully see not only these players develop but these coaches develop quickly i, I feel like if you're getting that um we're gonna be doing just fine in lincoln a, a couple common things that you are seeing with every every um prospects it seems like seems like a lot of them are multi-sport athletes you know you've got um ian flint who is a uh, track and field as well as a football player. Uh, you know, I believe it's uh, Peters from Iowa. Uh, Cedar Rapids is a wrestler as well as a uh, football player. Carter Nelson, obviously, track and field, football, uh, basketball as well, I believe. Roger Gradney, track and field. Um, I believe uh, McMorris is, is track and field as well. Barney, I believe track and field, you know, you've got a lot of guys that are multi-sport kids. And, and honestly, that's, that's great because uh, there's, there's a lot of things that you, you cross over in a lot of these sports. You know, if you've got a lineman or a fullback or a tight end, maybe not a tight end, but a lineman or a uh, fullback, you want those guys to be wrestlers. Same thing with your linebackers. You want those guys to be wrestlers. Um, just a different level of intensity out of out of those players. Uh, just a gritty mentality, and you want your your speed guys, your uh, wide receivers, your defensive backs, your running backs to run track. I mean, that's how you get faster is uh, by sprinting. I'm sure, that's common sense, but you do get faster by doing fast things. So, um, you know, that's 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 a huge thing being multi sport athletes. They're long, they're lanky, and they're raw. Um, they, it's pretty self-explanatory. The, Matt Rule did that at Baylor. Um, he did that at Temple. They are going to bring in guys that have huge frames and raw skill sets, and we're going to show you how to fit into our scheme. I believe it was uh, Coach Osborne in the 90s who pretty much moved everyone up up level. So you had guys that were linebackers. Your linebackers bumped to defensive line at Nebraska. So you've got a speed advantage there. Weren't the biggest, but you had a speed advantage. You had safeties move to linebackers. So you had a speed advantage there. And then you had to see, you know, your, your secondary guys were what they were, some of the fastest, most athletic guys that there were. But it, it kind of seems like that's what Rule and company are trying to do in Lincoln is 
with the their three version of the three three five almost move everybody up a level to get a little bit more speed and athleticism on the field. And you know, really the last thing that you're seeing with a lot of these guys is a high ceiling. Um like, like I said, far from finished prospects. You know, you've got guys that are going into their senior year and this is their first year playing football. It, you know, next year, jump to a power five program like Nebraska. It's these guys have high sins because of what we said previously. They're long, they're lanky, they're raw, and they can do a lot of things well. They just haven't been seasoned to do it yet. So, another thing high ceilings. Um, you know, they're you're not seeing the staff recruit the most polished players on the face of the earth. Uh, but year one, they're going to be athletic. Um, the majority of the guys coming in in the 23 class and the, as well as the 24 class aren't coming into spots where they're going to be necessarily needed to step in day one and start. Now, if you get a couple of them to, you know, kind of give you some snaps, that that's great. Awesome. Um, I could see a guy, I don't even want to put names out there, um, uh, Outside of Prince Will, uh, Prince Will Uman Miel, and I think that kid's going to be top five on the team in sacks. That's all I'll, I'll give any expectations to. But um, most of these guys will go be going into a redshirt season, which is perfect. Gets them into a college um, strength and conditioning program, and and into the end of the uh, the culture and the practice setting and, and everything that a lot of these guys will need because they are so raw. But once they get some time in the college system, defined technique, there's a lot, um, very high ceilings for these guys. And I'm looking forward to watching this staff, uh, you know, really coach these guys up and, and watch the team develop. Now, talking about guys previously that are coming into the, or, you know, in the 24 class with recruiting. So we know this, the uh, roster that we had coming out of the 22 season kind of was what it was. Um, you can't say it lacked talent, but you can say it lacked depth. Um, and, and honestly, in this, this offseason, Nebraska and the transfer portal really did some great things. Um, they had a, a nice infusion of talent all over the field. And there's certain guys this season – I should say this summer are going to need to have a giant, a big camp. They're going to need to be impactful um, to push for some meaningful steps on, on either side of the ball, you know, offense or defense. And I, I, you know, I picked about five or six of them and these are a lot of names that we we've heard splash, but I kind of want to get into it a little bit more. And break down one each one one by one. You know, I've got a lot of defensive guys on here and a couple offensive. Um, one of them, let's start off with the offensive line. Because we know it's been a problem the last few years, obviously. Um, and, and this is a name of a guy who has starred or played in 28 games. Um, Ethan Piper, offensive guard. Um, 
I think he's a guy that's been really unappreciated. Um, so he's, he's played in 28 games and his career as a Husker. And I really feel like the, the guard position, especially is, I don't want to say it's in a rotation, but I feel like it's in influx right now with him, Ethan Piper in a Norley, New Orleans, There we go. And that's the only way I know how to say it. Um, I, I think both are good options, Piper and, and Noelle. But I have to wonder how the year off is going to affect Noelle uh, physically and mentally. Like, you didn't play, get to play football for an entire year. Uh, I got to feel like to some degree that's going to affect him. That's where I think a guy like Ethan Piper could work his way into some meaningful snaps on that offensive line um, under coach Ryola. So that's, uh, that's the first one. Uh, next one, uh, Raquan Buckley, uh, you know, big, big steal from the state of Michigan a few years ago. They've got him listed as kind of a nose tackle defensive tackle. Um, but the, I think the biggest question is, is this the year that we get a breakout season from Buckley. He's six foot six, 290 pounds. Been in the program for a couple of years now. Uh, he's definitely got the size to play defensive line in the Big Ten, but we really haven't seen that as of yet. I don't believe he's taken, I don't believe he was on the field last year. I couldn't find anything that said he was. And then very few snaps a year before that. Um, I think if the defensive line could get a serious push from him in some form or fashion, it would really help that defensive line. I know. Common fucking sense, right? Um, but I, I feel like that would really be a huge boost to that room with depth being a, a concern for multiple reasons. Um, you know, you had multiple recruiting misses and transfers to uh, Oregon specifically. You know, you've had a lot of attrition in that room and just a, not a lot of bang for your buck. So if they could get something out of Buckley this year, I feel I feel much better about that, that defensive line. Uh, bump into the secondary for these next two. Omar Brown, uh, defensive back, who's a former 2019 All-FCS uh, All-American at Northern Iowa. I remember when he transferred in, you know, the accolades, different things, boom, 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 boom. He's done this. He's done that. Um, a very athletically gifted kid. Um, you know, he played in every game in 2022. And and if honestly, if he could step up in the secondary, his ability previously, I mean, he, he was a 2019 All-American. He's, he's got the ability. Uh, but injuries and position changes have hurt him getting on the field. Uh, you know, with those injuries, you're not able to get the physical reps. And, and with position changes, and depending what the defense asked for you uh, under Chenander, it, it was a pretty complex defense. I know it was simplified quite a bit under Bush, but now you've got something completely different under uh, Tony White. So what's... What's uh, what's being asked of him, I guess? And is he able to have the mental game and the physical game finally match up for him? 
Um, because I feel like if you're able to get a guy like Omar Brown on the field, he's smart, he's experienced, he's played at a high level previously. If you can squeeze that bit of talent out of him, um, Nebraska's secondary is going to be uh, pretty formidable next year. Uh, another secondary guy, uh, Tommy Hill, uh, you know, uh, another defensive back that his story to me is wild. Um, you know, originally he recruited, he, you know, he, he uh, committed to Arizona State. It was between Arizona State and Nebraska, I believe. Uh, chose Arizona State. Totally get it. Uh, but then ends up transferring to Nebraska as a defensive back. And then ends up playing wide receiver. It's wild, and and he's back to defensive back now. Um, he's he's a very talented athlete to be able to play wide receiver and defensive back at the Division One level, regardless of how it's played. Very talented. Um, like I said, he settled that defensive back under Corey Cooper. He's finally settling in on one side of the ball. He's going to be getting coached up by by Cooper. Uh, can Cooper coach, you know, coach Tommy Hill to get the best out of him? I would love to see it. I, I'd love to see Tommy Hill finally, you know, I don't want to say bought in. That's not, that's not the right way to put it. But um, Tommy Hill with a secondary coach that can hopefully coach him up to get the most productive Tommy Hill out there in the secondary. Because the last two guys I mentioned, Tommy Hill and, and Omar Brown, are talented players. Uh, there has been some kind of disconnect, though, between what's going on in the practice field and, and, and the, the game field. And that's not been exclusively those two. It's been a lot of players, but the why. Um, and, and finishing up with our last one, this is one of my favorite players on the uh, on the team, Jamari Butler, uh, edge rusher. I've had Jamari on here before. Great guy. Love to have him back on as well. Uh, but I honestly feel like this is going to be a breakout season for him. He's a raw kid coming out of uh, high school. I believe he was out of Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. It's taken him a season or two to really develop his body and kind of get in the fold with everything. Um, and I feel like this is a season where what he's done in the weight room and on the practice field will finally meet up with coaching and Terrence Knighton. Uh, and, and, we'll see a, a very productive Jamari Butler this season. You know, the wild thing is last year was really his redshirt freshman season uh, in 22. And he, he looked the part uh, considering what he came in as, as a freshman to what he looked like last season, physically he's developed and he looks the part. The room is extremely deep. That edge room is, is full of very talented guys. But I think this is a season where Jamari Butler will set himself aside as the best pass rusher that Nebraska has had since Randy Gregory. Uh, last thing for the night, and then I'll let everybody go. Uh, offensive line. So everyone's everyone's pretty panicked about the offensive line, and it's understandable after what we've seen the last few seasons. But I feel like um, I really 
I really feel like, sorry, I was just reading some, um, really feel the offensive line with a healthy Teddy P at left tackle, um, a healthy uh, Norley Noelle, and hopefully a pissed off Nor- Nori Noelle um, at, at one of your guard spots, possibly. Um, healthy because of no football, possibly rusty because of no football. And then you get one of the most coveted offensive linemen in the offseason in um, former Arizona State center, Ben Scott. So you've got three three huge pluses there because with Teddy P back at left tackle, you should be able to bump him from tackle to uh, guard where I believe Corcoran has been a natural guard his entire college career playing out of left tackle out of out of uh, necessity. I, I feel like we've seen it as freshman season that and you've got to be a special athlete to play out at those tackle spots. That's a different world playing out on the island as opposed to playing in a phone booth where you would as a guard or a center. A lot easier to get help as a guard or a center as it is um, than it is as a tackle unless you've got a, a, a tight end on your on your hip there. But, um, you know, you, you get him at left tackle, uh, Teddy P., who, who athletically is is an athletic kid for six foot ten, three hundred thirty pounds. Would love to see him slim down, um, and, and hopefully with the new strength and conditioning program and what we're seeing there, that that'll help a lot of these guys quite a bit. And I'll go into why in just a few minutes here. Um, I, I I just honestly feel like everything they've got is great but I feel like they're also one year away from being truly able to have all their options at their disposal. And here's why, uh, you know, you've got multiple offseason transfers, Jacob hood from Georgia, Tyler knack from uh, Utah, uh, both huge individuals. Um, Jacob hood, a, a gigantic mountain of a man, but these guys are raw. So a little bit of seasoning will help, along with true freshman Sam Sledge out of uh, Creighton Prep, Gunnar Gatula out of Lincoln, Knudsen, uh, Brock Knudsen out of Scotts Bluff, I believe. You've got Mason Goldman out of Gretna, and Jason Masechek, I believe, out of North Dakota. Who Masechek might end up being the best one out of all of them, although I, me, personally, I'm a Gatula guy. I honestly feel like these guys are going to be fighting for starting positions possibly as soon as next year, but it'll be a nice bit of added depth that they have not had on that offensive line in quite some time, especially the freshmen. I hope we don't see any of them this year for extended minutes in crunch time. Gatula is a guy that I could honestly see as a true freshman still pushing for, for some snaps. Um, and not bad way to put it, but not garbage time snaps. Just I could see him getting in there for a uh, rotation, especially if a guard spot or a tackle spot is unsettled. I could really see him stealing some snaps. Um, let's see. Oh, 
the only thing, other thing I can say about the offensive line is they've played a lot of snaps. Doesn't mean they've been good snaps, but they have played a lot of snaps at the major power five level, a lot of against a lot of high level competition. Can Raiola get this unit where it needs to be? I think it's the make or break of the season because it's been the one of the bigger hinging points last few years. Um, there, there was a reason. There's been a reason that Rilo was kept on with this staff. Uh, you know, he's mentioned. Coach Rule has mentioned it that schematically and what he wants to do is exactly what this staff wants to do. I think they've got the offensive line to get after defenses and get downhill. I know previously the identity was we are going to attack under Frost, and and unfortunately, I believe the team was more reactive than proactive. With a downhill running game, um, you are proactive, a.k.a. you're punching the defense in the mouth. And if we can get to that with the bodies they've got up front, I feel like once they get going forward, it's hard to stop a 330-pound left tackle. Um, And and I would love to see a pulling guard or some uh, screen plays. As a Nebraska fan, I don't think we've ever seen a good screen play. Um, at least we don't know how to run them. So I'd love to get that offensive line to the point where we can have a screen game. It's a huge, huge benefit to have that in your offense. Um, strength and conditioning um, with Campbell. That's going to be something that will make the biggest change on this program, whether it works or it doesn't. Um we, you know, we see it under Duvall. It took a couple seasons to get the bodies to where they wanted them. And they were the all Big Ten get off the bus team in Nebraska. They looked apart. But in the fourth quarter, they gassed. This, I, I feel like this this team is still going to be um, – I don't, I don't feel like the biggest team. I feel like they're going to get athletic. I feel like they're going to be sleeker, especially at certain spots. And I would like to see that offensive line um, slim down a bit. The more athletic your offensive line can be, the more multiple that this offense could be. And the more they'll be able to I, I, I feel like punish the defense or get downhill on the defense is, is apt. So I'd love to see it now, and I'm really hoping for it this season. Although it does take the longest to take effect. So, you know, hopefully we, we start to see the beginning stages of the strength and conditioning program this year. I think it'll really be years two, years three, years four under rule where you really see if it if it's working or if it's changing things. I feel like the team's going to look more athletic by the bodies that they've got in there. Once again, high-level transfers, multiple uh, four-star guys on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball, they're going to look more athletic. Does that transfer to wins? 
I, I, it's hard for me to see them losing like they've lost the last few seasons. Uh, and, the, and the main reason is because they've lost because of um, not playing fundamental football, not playing smart football, doing things like just doing things to shoot yourself in the foot. And it always seemed like looking for a, an excuse or, or a way out. I don't feel like you're going to get that with this staff. I feel like you're going to get smart football. So if you see this team get beat, they were just, they weren't the better team. Uh, the team that beats them will be the better team. I, I feel like you'll, you'll see smarter decision-making across the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what this coaching staff can instill in these players. I think it's going to be a hell of a ride. It's it's going to be a good time. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to what Rule and Company can do. Looking forward to uh, fall camp. And um, I think that's about it, everybody. Um, thanks for joining me here on uh, Church of the Corn uh, just a couple days before the 4th of July. So enjoy the 4th, everybody. Uh, please don't blow your fingers off if you do maybe send a picture, put it on Twitter so everyone can see it. Um, but enjoy your fourth, everybody. Have a good, safe one. And uh, I believe soon on here we're going to start doing our national version of Church of the Corn as well. So uh, thanks for joining me here, everybody. Uh, take care and uh, have a good, safe fourth of July.